We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. Is What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome to another Saturday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. A different Saturday episode, though. It's draft week or draft preview month, as we like to do it on Pack a Day podcast. This is the first defensive back preview, and we're here to break it down on Pack a Day podcast on April eighth. On Pack a Day podcast, I am your host Matt Freilich. Alongside me, once in a while, as always, is Eli Berkovitz. Eli, great to get back in the swing of things with you. I know we've been having a crazy spring between myself, your schedule, and Janelle, um, but we also get to, you know, at this point, put Janelle to the side. She gets to focus on softball and everything else going on. But we get to welcome back our buddy Rob Rieger, and we welcome him to the podcast back on Pack a Day to break down, um, I guess, the defensive backs that we're going to get into this week. But also, you know, as we go forward to the draft, get his insights because he does a lot of the draft stuff. Um, so, Rob, happy to have you back. And we're, I mean, thankful that Andy thought we did a decent enough job last last offseason to bring all three of us back. Yeah, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a dream team. And thanks. You know, I, I kind of feel like I'm like the hired gun here. I'm like the, I'm like the draft specialist, and you guys are so much more – uh, refined than me when it comes to this stuff but i love doing it i've been doing it for a long time now and it's it's really uh, a pleasure to be part of the team and and to be back with you guys this is actually my third year uh in a row with with eli so apparently oh, we're doing yeah. something right and then second year with you matt so um yeah thanks a lot and i look forward to it 
Yeah, hundred percent. It's always cool. I think I've mentioned this last year too, but I'll ref, you know rephrase it again. It's it's awesome when people like Rob or anyone else contributing to Pack a Day hops on the show, whether it's just to fill in or for the draft or whatever. Because it's like you hear certain perspectives, you know, maybe the same perspective every day that you listen to Pack a Day. If it's people on Monday or Saturday or Wednesday, but it's also great for like Eli and myself, who you know nothing against Janelle, but it's awesome to get another perspective because after. Yeah you know, so many weeks, you finally, your understanding of like what someone's opinion is on Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Christian Watson, or maybe what they should do at, you know, edge rusher. It's fun. It's fun to get some of those peripheral conversations that end up flowing in just when you have another, you know, Packers brain to discuss. So uh, first and foremost, uh, the players we're going to talk about today, and I just want to lay this out here is um, Manuel Forbes, uh, Mississippi State cornerback, six foot, six one, um, interesting with him initially listed at 180 when he went to the combine, weighed in at 166. And we'll get into that a little bit more, I think, because that's like maybe one of the red flags that you're looking for him um as we get into this draft time and just the size with him. Um, next player is Antonio Johnson, Texas AM safety, bigger body, most definitely than Emmanuel Forbes, 6'3, about a buck ninety-five junior um from the Aggies, and then Brian Branch, who I feel like has been for since the season got over has been so many mock drafts I've seen um, from people that I feel like know a lot about the Packers or just some, you know, random egg on Twitter, having him projected to the Packers in some sort of first round, second round situation. So I'm excited to talk about him, the six foot one ninety junior Bama um, nickelback slash safety. And we'll kind of get into that a little bit as we go forward. So those three D backs we want to talk to all out of the sec, ironically enough, Eli, I'm going to start with you. Um, all three defensive backs. I have an opinion on this question, of course, because why wouldn't I? But um, we'll kind of just start with you, Eli. Do you think the Packers more than likely need to prioritize a secondary player in the draft, whether it be a day one, day two, day three potential? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think there's any way you can look at the state of the safety position right now for the Packers and not think that it needs to be addressed rather quickly. Obviously, you have Darnell Savage, but who is still a pretty big question mark. And for some people, not a question mark, just simply someone they do not rely on or trust to be the starting safety in the Packers defense. And then behind him are arguably larger question marks and guys like Rudy Ford, Tariq Carpenter going into his second year. They just re-signed, you know, Dallin Levitt. Obviously, he's mostly special teams. But, I mean, these are the guys we're talking about, guys who play about just about all of their snaps on special teams. And then Rudy Ford, you know, yeah, he mixed in under the defense more than the other guys, but he's a career special teamer. So assuming Adrian Amos is not back, uh, maybe they do sign a veteran, you know, in the second or third wave of free agency, whatever we're at now. But you clearly need a f- – the future of safety needs to be addressed for this team. This draft, unfortunately, as I just saw, I retweeted Daniel Jeremiah, obviously very uh, knowledgeable draft expert. You know, paper thin is what he described the safety position in this year's draft. So of all the years we need one, not necessarily the best, but there is some talent and definitely guys we're going to talk about today. I don't think day one is going to happen just because of the value, but day two, if not day two, early day three. I mean, early, early day three, because I don't think you can start getting into the sixth, seventh round. And it's a nice addition, but you can't expect anything from them in year one, at least. Yeah, good calls from you as far as, you know, Rudy Ford being brought back down Levitt, obviously. Um, Tree Carpenter still on the roster. I think, like you mentioned, Levitt, more of a teamer. Um, Rudy Ford had glimpses of, you know, 
popped, you know, from that, I would say three, four, five week stretch, but did kind of had some inconsistencies going at the end of the year. Not sure where you can go with Savage. I think Adrian Amos is more than likely a foregone conclusion. He is not brought back um, just because I think the player he is and the money he's going to garner. Um, but keeping that in mind, like you mentioned, the safety class, very thin. So that might get, you know, it might make that I mean, more advantageous for a free agent veteran to sign and get a bigger deal. Um, but we'll remain and see. And yeah, I'm not sure where we are in waves of free agency. It seems like the first wave was very minimal. If that second wave hit, um, I haven't really seen any ripples on the shore yet. Uh, I personally feel like they need to get a defensive back. Where it happens, I'm not sure. I think safety is a really, really important position for them to grab. Um, Rob, do you agree with both of us? You're going to stir the ship a little bit here right off the bat and say, nope, they don't, they're set with their safeties and Rudy Ford and Savage are going to be the guys to uh, start this yeah. year. I will definitely not have that opinion on it. I, I feel like safety is such a vital position. Um, my, my whole take on Darnell Savage is just simply that he has to step up. I mean, that's one of those things that he was a first-round draft pick. We traded up to get him in the first round. And I'm just kind of sick of Brian Gutekunst constantly just throwing more picks and everything at the safety position, the corner position, all over the defense, and then have the defense – not be able to produce at, a, at an elite level. So, um, you know, as far as a first-round pick goes, um, I'm kind of hoping that we don't go to safety. And, and really, like uh, Daniel Jeremiah said, it's not really a good safety class, and I totally agree with that. I've been studying it. There's a couple guys that I'd like. But I think that that second round is kind of a sweet spot as far as safety goes. The other thing that I don't hear a lot of people mentioning, and I haven't heard any rumors of this whatsoever, so this is kind of – if it happens, it's uh, I guess it's breaking news for me, but there's no sources on this. But if you guys notice, the Jets made kind of a sneaky move by trading for uh, Chuck Clark. And it was kind of unexpected because they seemed like they were kind of set at safety, and then they brought in a, a solid starter. So I'm just thinking from a maybe standpoint, as part of the sweetener to the Rodgers deal, is that they either throw in a Chuck Clark or a Jordan Whitehead who um, has been kind of a disappointment for them. He signed him to a big contract from Tampa, and he hasn't delivered that well, that maybe those guys could be a sweetener. I haven't heard that at all. And, in fact, you know, that, that it's not even one of the names that I've been hearing. But I, if I were Brian, I'd maybe look into that, look at the safety class and be like, well, the safety class isn't that great in the draft. There's not really any free agents out there. We definitely need safety. So maybe that could be a place that they go if they're close on compensation, you know, to kind of put it over the top, I guess. Yeah, no, I I mean, as I let off the show, it's talking about we're talking about, you know, different transactions or different just perspectives. Right. And I'm, I'm happy you brought up the Chuck Clark thing, because when I saw him sign to the Jets and I forgot where I knew he left the Ravens, but I was like, Chuck Clark is a really really I mean not really really good but a solid safety um kind of probably got buried even just like on a Baltimore Ravens defense that is always formidable really really stout secondary group but that is a that's an interesting perspective to say maybe they'll use um you know that safety depth depth like you mentioned they didn't really need one um to make an acquisition like that but maybe that is something that happens um as they're still trying to figure out compensation for Aaron Rodgers um going to the Jets it seems like a foregone conclusion it was, it was kind of a sneaky, of it. I was like it, it's kind of just a sneaky move that I wasn't really expecting and it's, it's kind of like when they traded Elijah Moore for another second I yeah. think everybody kind of jumped on that and said oh well that must be uh 
the kind of sweet a sweetener for the Rodgers deal. Like I think that's what everyone was kind of speculating, but the Chuck Clark deal kind of slid under the radar a little bit that they picked him up. And I think they got him for like a seventh round pick or something like that. So it wasn't even high, but I mean, if they could bring in either one of those two, I think that that would be better than any of the safeties in the draft. And they wouldn't have to give up that draft capital there. One last thing on Chuck Clark, just because I've been saying it like the whole off season, and you can really say this for so many different players, but like, yeah, he went for whatever, six, seventh round picks, something ridiculously low. Why are we not making that move? Like, why is like whatever? Maybe it wasn't like the Ravens were throwing it out there that Chuck Clark's available. But if you can go and trade for a guy of that caliber for a sixth or seventh round pick, you should do it five times an offseason because honestly, why not? Like, 100% in my opinion. And this isn't because, you know, I have my feelings about Goody, not all negative, but if we're going down this path and we start bringing up the draft and additions to the team, it hits a it hits a sore topic for me, so I'd say we should move past it, or otherwise I'm going to go on a rant. Yeah, well, Eli. Well, you guys know that I I don't have any opinions on Brian Gutekunst. If you follow me on Twitter, <laughs> and I I have no no opinion on Aaron Rodgers as well. Yeah, exactly, Rob. Definitely. <laughs> it does suck. Just to put a point, it does suck when you see players that are talented on any other 31 you know teams in the NFL, and they get snag for literally pennies on the dollar um looks like chuck clark did request a trade last offseason didn't come through they ended up draft, drafting that corner or db whoever you want to call it hamilton from notre dame yeah. kind of even set back that further so it almost was probably a foregone conclusion that he was going to be gone this season assuming that leverage went a little bit out the window that's why the seventh round pick occurs but let's dive into these players guys we're going to start first off with emmanuel forbes like i mentioned mississippi state corner Six foot, six one, wherever you have him listed, 180. Like I said, showed up to the combine, uh, weighed in at 166, smaller frame, uh, projected what I saw, maybe a second, third round pick. Um, it is a deep cornerback class, so he's probably outside that top five. Um, I'm sure there's a conversation to be had here between all three of us, whether he's there. Um, the main thing that jumps off the board here, and I'm taking all the low-hanging fruit guys, is that in his three years there, 14 total picks, Six career pick sixes, three of those that occurred last year in 2022 campaign. Um, I would say is a great nose for the f- football. Um, not only can he make plays, you know, in the open field when he gets the ball in his hands, but really not afraid of run support, even though he is small. I'm interested to see how that translates to the league with more physical, faster, stronger guys in the NFL. Um, can play basically zone or man coverage, mostly off coverage. I would say my concern also is like, can he play bump and run coverage being with that smaller frame? Um, He did start as a freshman, which I think is great and was a second team All-American last year. Uh, You know, positive side on the combine, he did run a 4-3-5. So it didn't completely go out the window that he shot himself in the foot at the combine. Elon, I'm going to start with you. Um, One, do you completely disagree with any of those? um, I don't mean, not even facts, any of those things I threw out there and also too what what are your thoughts on Emmanuel Forbes um come out of Mississippi State yeah so I don't I don't really disagree uh with you know anything of what you said because first off yeah I mean the first thing that jumps off to you with Emmanuel uh Emmanuel Forbes is obviously it's the interceptions it's just mm-hmm. it's incredible watching watching him play it's like you know I'm not even just like trying to look for highlights you know I like to try to find regular you know just down to down film as well and it's like every other play, this guy has the ball in his hands. And it's it's really pretty incredible. So I love that from him. And just in general, yes, I do think his size, at least in terms of when we're talking the Packers, 
it's a little like concerning because we know Goody generally likes to get larger guys when it comes to receiver and cornerback usually. But I don't know. I feel like it's something about like he looks very lanky, like long limbed, good reach, good high pointing the ball, very instant instinctive. And I just thought his coverage, like yeah, you mentioned the bump and run, but he was playing some sticky coverage throughout most of what I watched him doing. Very in your face, loud kind of guy, gives off Jair Alexander vibes. Love that. And I don't know how big you guys are into PFF, but if you are, when it comes to cornerbacks, he was seventh overall uh, in the nation, okay. and he finished eighth in coverage, which two you know two very nice places to finish. And we're talking about just within this draft class, fourth overall in both of those categories. So the Packers cornerback, you could look at the roster kind of on just on the depth chart and be like, all right, you got Jair, Stokes, Douglas is a really such a huge need, but I do think it's at least a need, maybe not in their top three needs, but a need like Rizzo Douglas, we know is kind of one of those hit or miss guys. Like he makes big plays, but we've also seen him blow some serious coverages more than once or twice. And then Eric Stokes, great rookie year, not so great start to year two, huge injury. And now the way LaFleur is talking, you got question marks. Is this guy even going to be playing week one? And then whenever he does play, what's that going to look like? So I don't think you can just roll your eyes at cornerback. If they can get Forbes at a good value, I definitely would not be upset about it. His size is a small concern for me, but you have a guy making that amount of plays, 14 picks, six pick sixes. Here's, that's a playmaker. That's just, it's, it's something you do. It's in your instincts, it's in your bones, it's what you do. And I always like adding that to my defense. Hundred percent. I mean, you mentioned not not only you know we we talked in the beginning of the episode, right? It's you know it wouldn't wouldn't make real sense. I think there's much more important needs than maybe a safety in the first round or a cornerback in the first round. So I would think Forbes does fall into this category as a day two pick. Um, so it would check the box for us as getting that value there. Um, the other thing I want to bring up is you mentioned Eric Stokes. I, sometimes I try to lean into, you know, comps that are a player that's Bennett Packer on the Packers. Sometimes I'm like, let's not do that. But I do think there is some comparable size there between Stokes and Emmanuel Forbes. Obvious, obviously that, you know, when he's listed at 180 and then weighs in at 166, that's a significant difference. And I think Eric Stokes was about six foot six one, like 185 um, at the combine or 190 even listed. So like, but I think there is some of that lankiness um, there. I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but Forbes did start as a freshman for Mississippi State. Um, the other note I have here is that I did, uh, you talked about highlights, Eli, and you see him getting the ball in his hand. One highlight, or I should say compressed game footage I did see was him as a sophomore um, versus Alabama. Again, great that all these guys have played in the SEC. You can see them playing top competition, which is, I think, just kind of validates them a little bit more. But him going up against Devonta Smith, who uh, was obviously the Heisman Trophy winner that year, struggled very early on in that game. Um, there was a lot of routes that Devonta Smith was running that he was absolutely cooking Forbes on. I think as the game got longer, um, and then maybe they gave him a little bit more help over the top, or he just got more comfortable with uh, Devonta Smith's route tree, it seemed like he settled in. But early in that game, I would say the first quarter, second quarter, he really, really struggled against the uh, soon-to-be Heisman Trophy winner. So take that for what it is. But, Rob, I'm excited to get your thoughts on Forbes here and where you kind of see him projecting and just your thoughts about his size and what he can maybe do at the next level. Well, I mean, I guess my first thought on it is that if he weighed 20 to 25 pounds heavier, he'd probably be in the 12th pick in the draft just based upon everything else that you guys mentioned earlier. So – I guess the first question is, can he put on weight? 
because obviously the 166 is pretty concerning. Uh, it's going to be difficult for him to, you know, especially with the bigger size of, you know, certain receivers and running backs, and he'll have to be used uh, to tackle, obviously. Um, what One thing that I did notice is he's not a bad tackler. Like, he's not mm-hmm. he's not afraid to get his nose na- uh, in there. He's really, he's really not. And from that standpoint, I mean, you kind of have to look at his frame. But, it, but to me, it hasn't really held him back. And kind of uh, piggybacking off what you said about Alabama, I mean, the guy was a freshman at the time playing against the Heisman Trophy winner. Okay, so, yes, I watched that game, and it was brutal. And he – but, you know, you have to also have to look at the fact that he was probably 18, 19 years old, a um, little bit starstruck maybe against playing against Alabama and all those stars. And it was bad, but it seemed to me like it was a learning experience for him and that he was able to kind of – you know, dust it off and, and continue to play when a lot of guys get, you know, like the emotional damage when you're getting cooked consistently by a guy. And, and let's be, let's be honest. Uh, Devontae Smith is probably one of the better route runners that we've seen in the last 10 years coming out. And he was a, a just an absolute terror in college. So, I mean, that's, that's just one thing The as far as like his, I mean, you guys both brought it up. I mean, I, I just love guys that, that are ball hawks. I really do. I mean, there's kind of an old thing like back. Like I, I remember, it was the University of Miami they used to line all their fast guys up, and the guys that could catch played receiver, and the guys that couldn't catch played defensive back. And that was kind of their the way that they did it back in like the 80s and 90s with the U. Uh, it seems to be like uh, they might have if he was back then uh, they miscategorized him because it just seems like his ball skills are excellent, his anticipation is excellent, his change of direction is excellent, and you look at his RAS scores, relative athletic score. And it's 9.2, and in the uh, the 10, the only place is really low is in weight. And that, he's up in the top echelon and, and all the other measurables. And the tape definitely reflects that, his breaking on the ball, his hands. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, I really do. And if he's available in the second round, I know it's not the Packers, but if you can get a playmaking defensive back, with those anticipation skills and that speed, I don't know how you can pass on them. It's it's really, you know, in a pass-happy league, you need three, four good corners uh, consistently, and we don't know what's going to happen with Stokes. We really don't. And Russell Douglas, is he going to continue to play the way he has? I mean, I thought he took a little bit of a step back last year. I thought he was fantastic his first year with us. Now, which trend is he on or which trajectory is he on? So, to me, I think this guy's a steal. You have to get him into – Definitely in the kitchen, or at the you know at the at the you know, bring him to the cafeteria and have him live there for a while because he's going to have to eat a lot to to bring that weight up. But I think overall he's a fantastic prospect. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, as you mentioned, his weight and stuff you can put on weight. He did come in to Mississippi State at about one fifty, one fifty one out of high school. So he put on about fifteen pounds there. So um, hopefully he can stay. You know, maybe with the offensive lineman and you know bulk up a little bit I would say too I do want to reiterate the fact that um, you mentioned I think I maybe mentioned this right away but you brought it up again Rob is just like he is a really really solid run defender like in the flat between the tackles even on tight ends running backs you know not afraid to go up and make a play that way Um, so it's like yes he is small and smaller frame but has that tenacity now it's like okay like if he can't put on weight or even if he does put on weight does that smaller frame still you know go up against six four six five or you know tight ends or bigger running backs is he able to you know 
actually do that and stay healthy. That's the big thing. You can have the nose for the football, but it's like, does your body, is your body okay with that? Actually putting your nose down and like, you know, going through that blunt or that blunt force like time and time again, um, or does it break down and you're having issues and then you can't be that attacking guy coming off the backfield. So um, I like where he's at. We mentioned Daniel Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I think he just had a mock draft or just his top 50 players come out a couple days ago. I want to say it was on Wednesday. Um, he hasn't ranked as his 34th player, so definitely a solid player, not within the first round talent. Um, obviously, that ranked of 34 doesn't mean that he's going to be the second player picked, or third player picked technically in the draft because there's only 31 this year. Shout out to Miami Dolphins. Um, but overall, I think Forbes is pretty solid. Um, either of you have any last thoughts on Forbes before we get to the next player? I just, yeah, as a comp goes, I mean, I, I always, when I was watching him play, like I, I was kind of looking at uh, a guy like Akeem, Akeem Tlaib was sure. a guy that kind of came to mind. Um, I, did, I, I thought that Tlaib was a little skinnier, but he was over 200 pounds. But, um, you know, I, that was kind of the comp. And also like Antonio Cromartie. And those are tall, lean guys that were able to have great careers in the NFL. And they're both ball hawks that could, you know, really get after these receivers. So, you know, as far as a comp goes, that's kind of what he reminded me of when watching him. I don't know what you guys think about that. No, I like that. Eli, you got any comps or anything you disagree with on those two guys? Uh, when it comes to Forbes, honestly, the, it was just uh, really the playmaking that stood out for me. But also, while his obviously needs to put on weight, I think his overall size, if he can put on that weight, like 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 Rob said, he, he would be talked about as an automatic first-round pick and probably high up there if he was uh, just a bit heavier. So, again, cornerback, not necessarily a huge need, but something I would consider if you could get him at a good value. Final thing before we get over to Antonio Johnson here is I forgot that Rob will go to the Rolodex and pull out some old stuff, you know, just from the 80s, <laughs> 90s. He always pulls out some stuff, you know. Rob's a slightly older than Eli and I, so I appreciate him going back in some of his, like, just – pulling out some, you know, Miami Hurricanes football stuff. And there's always players that he'll reference that it's just like, wow, I completely forgot about that player. So I'm, I'm excited for these as we get into the, the full draft mode here. I, I think um, I busted out TJ Hushmanzada last year. Yep, yep. That's a solid one. Big fan of that one. Yeah. Um, next player up, we have Antonio Johnson. So just a little caveat, Emmanuel Forbes is more of a traditional cornerback, right? The next two players that we mentioned, Antonio Johnson and Brian Branch, kind of across the board where they could play. And I would say Antonio Johnson is even more dynamic than Brian Branch. Um, Texas A&M, safety, I put that in quotes, junior, 6'3", 195. Some have him listed as 6'2", but he can play multiple spots. He can play safety, slot, nickel, dime, hybrid backer. There was highlights even saw of him rushing off the edge, um, which is incredible. He missed three games to start the 2022 season. Um, Still was named first-team All-SEC. I was really impressed with him on the first 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I thought 10 yards in, he was super, super solid. As the ball got traveled further down the field, I think he struggled a little bit with his deep coverage and some um, hip fluidity. He did lead the team um, the a and a and m defense in three force fumbles this past year. I, you know, for his size, I was actually surprised that he didn't hit harder. Not to say he doesn't hit hard, but when you have a guy that's 6'2", 6'3", 200, you're thinking he's going to be flying around and like knocking guys out. I think there were times that he did do that, but there was also times where I'm like, oh my gosh, on this highlight, he's going to absolutely smoke this guy over the middle. And he really didn't do that. So that was one thing that I kind of saw that was a little bit concerning to me. Um, I do see him being projected in the top two rounds definitively. 
Um, Eli, I'll start with you on this one. Your thoughts on Antonio Johnson and just like the play, the player that he is. I think he's a very dynamic player and can contribute to the Packers or any team at a, you know, a full, you know, wherever they need to line him up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, that's that's something that I think not only I enjoy to, to see, but we all know Goody really covets versatility. And Antonio Johnson does have plenty of that, uh, but I think looking at this team and kind of the re, uh, you know Manuel Forbes being more of a corner, and while we need it, I still think safety is definitely one of the biggest needs on this team. And Antonio Johnson, at least in comparison to who we'll talk about next, and Brian Branch, is definitely more of a traditional safety, while also having the ability to play in the slot at the nickel corner, which is also very nice. And, um, Matt, I, I wouldn't say I fully disagree because I actually know, like, I saw some of what you're saying in terms of the hitting where maybe he pulled up a bit. But I also feel like there were times where he was laying people out. Like, it was kind of almost streaky in a bit of games where some games felt like maybe he brought that energy and he was just destroying people. And other games, maybe not as much. And that's something that, you know, you kind of look, have to look at. But, yeah, like you said, I think he's clearly at his best at or behind the line of scrimmage, like near or or like that's where he's making most of his plays, impact plays, tackles for loss, tackles for very minimal gain. And I like that out of a safety. Um, you always want to see someone who can go make tackles, play close to the line. But again, I do think it's the Packers need a center field kind of safety out there, though, to make plays deep. And when we've seen last year, even with some of our better corners, even Jair a couple of times, if they get beat even a little, like there's basically no help back there. You know, you don't feel like you just have that safety net that obviously Nick Collins had, even Charles Woodson towards the end when he was playing safety, Morgan Burnett a little. But uh, Antonio Johnson, I, I I like him for because of his versatility. Again, is he the stereotypical center field safety? No, but I think he can definitely develop and grow and build as a player. But one thing that does concern me a bit, just in terms of the Packers and drafting him, was his RAS score being at 541. 
Goody generally likes to be in, you know, eight plus kind of range. So that is really out of what he generally does, especially on a pick that would be as high as Johnson would cost. So again, I like him and, and uh, I'll just, I'm going to do this with all the guys because I just, I enjoy PFF personally. And I would say he did rank very well across the board in terms of what he did in, in this draft, overall seventh in the draft, run defense 12th, um, in coverage 16th, uh, not the not the worst, but definitely uh, pretty good. So yeah, I like him. I'm not, I'm not in love with him, but I definitely wouldn't, like I know they, they need a safety, bottom line. And I do like him enough where, if they got him in the spot that I feel comfortable with, which realistically is probably going to have to be in the second round, um, I'll take it. One thing I screwed up on this, uh, going back through our DMs here, I should have started with Rob because the only tidbit any of us put in there uh, was Rob in the DMs was leading up this about Antonio Johnson just saying he's a stud. So I should have let off with Rob. Um, so, Rob, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is there anything that Antonio Johnson, you know, A, I want you to tell us why he's a stud. But B, does is there anything he does like excellent? Is he great at anything, or is he just good all around football player? I think it's a when when you watch, you know, I was watching not just the highlights, and I'm sure you guys do too. But you know, in watching in games, what really stands out to me is his instincts. He's really, it seems like his football IQ is much higher than a lot of the players. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. Um, I feel like he not only has a ton of talent and one thing that also stood out to me is I thought that he had great change of direction and great quickness, which is kind of rare for a guy that's almost six, three, six, two, six, three, that he's able to change. I think a lot of that has to do with his ability to read plays effectively. He always seemed to have a nose for the ball. And I really, I was pleasantly surprised as I was watching his tape at how fluid he was for a guy his size. Because typically when you get guys 6'2", 6'3", they don't have that hip fluidity. They kind of are a, a little bit uh, rigid in their movements. But he's smooth as silk when he's out there, and he's able to kind of diagnose those plays. Um, as far as a tackling standpoint, I feel that he was – he didn't hesitate at all to get his nose in there. He'd kind of make up his mind where he was going to go and, and just would, would attack the field. And that was kind of my initial thought on him. And the tape definitely backed that up. If you're going to kind of quibble over, you know, Raz scores and, and things like that, yeah, it's not great. But at the same time, some of the things that – my, my one criticism for Raz, and uh, I hope my buddy that uh, that makes it doesn't uh, – isn't listening to this, or hopefully will eventually we can get a discussion, is that it weighs everything equally. All the different. So to me, I look at what specifically he's scoring high in and what specifically he's scoring low in. For example, if I'm looking at a safety, I'm not that about their bench press. There's not going to be too many times that you're going to, you know, do that motion as a, as a defensive back. So he finished like two percent, the second percentile or something on bench, he, or I think even less than that, under one percent on bench, and he finished uh, under five on weight now also d uh, vertical jump he finished very low on as well and vertical jump is important for a defensive back but when you're six three it kind of gives you a built-in advantage because you're already taller than with longer arms and he does have very long arms 
to begin with. So it's not really necessary to jump 40 inches if you're 6'3 and you have long arms. You can still get to the same spot. So when you look at specifically his RAS scores, what's important to me for a safety, he scored high in. What's not important to me, he scored low in. So I don't know if it makes sense to you guys, but but I kind of look at what they are scoring, and hopefully the Packers do as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I'd actually, it's funny you mentioned the bench press. I remember seeing that actually on, I think it was NFL.com looking at it. And like, he only had eight reps. And I'm like, dang, that's goofy. But it's like, he's not an interior defensive lineman. He's not an edge rusher. So I'm not that concerned about that. But it is something that when you factor it into the RAS score, it definitely, you know, brings that down. Um, to Eli's point, I think that RAS score for the Packers or for Gutekunst to be above an eight has stood for a very long time. I think there's been some outliers that have occurred as we've gotten the longer, you know, uh, journey of Gutekunst in his GMing role, but like relatively eight and up is where he needs to be. But there has been some outliers within Antonio or within other players. I am happy to see that we're kind of all going a little bit back and forth here on Antonio Johnson. Um, just kind of what we've looked at, which is it's good. We're not completely agreeing, um, which is fine. I think, you know, overall, I my my thing would be like okay like he almost reminds me of like I mean not the same type of player because um, I think Isaiah Simmons is more of an interior guy safety guy but it's like one of those guys where it's like he's on the Cardinals right like but where does he line up where do you put him like it's like he's gonna fly it he flew up draft boards right Isaiah Simmons went to the Cardinals but it's like uh, yeah Antonio Johnson can do a lot of things but what is he really good at like where do we put him and it kind of takes a little bit of while for that to filter over the NFL find that right defensive scheme that coordinator put him in spots to be successful so whoever does land Antonio Johnson I hope they make a good plan for him I imagine he'll go to a defense like the Eagles like the Ravens um you know I'm omitting a couple other defenses but defenses that are typically gonna you know they have some star power already on their defensive side of the ball and they're not afraid to go and grab another guy that like hey this guy not might not be a starter for us day one we're not going to ask him to be, but let's just see what he does really, really well. Get him into opportunities that he can be successful and just see what happens as he gets longer into his career. Um, Eli, any last thoughts on Antonio Johnson as we wrap him up? Uh, no, but I do like, uh, and I agree with what Rob said when it comes to the RAS score, that, yeah, like when it comes to certain positions, like I fully agree, some things matter a lot more for defensive tackle as opposed to a safety and for a quarterback as opposed to a running back. So that matters, I think, in reality. It's just for me, you know, I, I don't rule guys out just because they're below eight. Like, I don't just – you're done. But it's like the track record, for, for sure, at least with high picks, but really just in general, is just so strong with what Goody's done. Where it, and honestly, I don't I don't like it. Like, I'm not – because I think there are guys that, all right, whatever. You didn't test that great in Raz. Like – it's a nice thing, but I don't know when over the last like five years, it kind of became this like meter where it's like, if you're not good on this, like that's a huge deal. And like in reality, I don't know. I'm sure there are plenty of good players in the NFL who didn't get an eight res. So um, Johnson, again, a player that I, I still like, I may not like as much as Rob, but I hope that him and other players as well are not getting ruled out simply because of a, of a RAS score that, just started like popped up in the last 10 years and it's like changing the way people draft. Like to me, it's a little bit wild. Little bit, so, the bit. one thing I'll add to that. So there, there is a criticism that I have and, and uh, I guess from watching his tape, I didn't get a chance to see it, but he only had 
one career interception. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, good call. So when you take a look at the differences between a guy like Forbes, who's more of a ball hawk with great hands, and you look at the care, compare and contrast to these guys, because, I mean, let's be honest, Forbes is more of a corner, Johnson's more of a safety, but they're both kind of long, they're both kind of lean, and they play almost the same way. I mean, I look at Antonio Johnson more as like a slot, uh, like like a dime type slot, you know, covering slot receivers. That's kind of where he thrives as a as a slot safety. But having just one interception to me is a little bit concerning. I don't know if he has good hands or not, but we haven't from a playmaking standpoint, that is something that would be obviously a concern. And in workouts, I'd want to see how naturally is catching the ball, breaking on the ball, and everything else. But from a physical standpoint, I think he's a very, very solid player. Yeah. One thing. No, sorry. I had uh, written down just, yeah, it's, it's weird to see a guy play as much as he did in the role that he did to have one interception. So you do have to wonder about the hands slash just like the playmaking ability, especially after talking about a guy like Forbes. But yeah. That was just a sign that also stood out. One thing, I wanted, one thing I wanted to do this year was not bring up a ton of high school stuff, but it seems warranted <laughs> that he did play wide receiver in high school. So, like, he might have some better hands than we were able to <laughs> to notice. Um, but I remembered a little caveat. Matt, let's not bring up stuff from high school because it really doesn't matter all that much. But I've actually done it for both players between <laughs> Forbes's weight and now Antonio Johnson. <laughs> so I'm breaking any cardinal rule right. that I thought I had. Anything in Little League to add? Uh, nothing, no. Player. Nope, didn't see. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know his baseball stuff. So uh, if if he is, that's that's good to know. That's awesome. solid travel ball player. Good to know. Uh, final player we're gonna get to guys, and I'm glad we're leaving him for last. Eli wanted to go first with him. We went back and forth. We checked with the producers. Um, for some reason, they went decided to go with me on this one. We went with Brian Branch last on this list. Um, like I mentioned, I think every single mock draft that I saw right after the season for about thirty to sixty days um, had him listed somewhere or his counterpart, Jordan Battle. Um, Brian Branch, safety, uh, quote-unquote safety, SEC, obviously Alabama, six foot 190 junior. Um, no influxes on his weight and measurables. I, it was consistently, I saw six foot 190. Um, second team, All-American AP player, uh, named Bama's Defensive Player of the Week seven times by his coaches this last year. Started mostly at nickel. Um, can probably play some strong safety. One caveat I want to mention, as I said, he's a safety. Uh, played seven about 1,700 snaps. 1,400 of them in change were at the nickel position. Um, some people have him listed as the top safety. Like we mentioned, safety class is a little bit lower, so keep that for what you will. First-round talent, more than likely. Um, extremely, extremely sure tackler. That was like the main thing that I – Underlined, highlighted. I don't know how. I mean, I guess I did that on the computer. Underlined and highlighted if I would have wanted to, but um, very solid that way. Can rush off the edge, rush the passer 44 times last year, had three sacks. I think really, really good timing and instincts getting after the quarterback. Um, typically goes to dislodge the football then rather than the pick, unlike Emmanuel Forbes, like we mentioned, is going to go in sky and get that ball and make a play that, that at that point. I guess my thing. Um, Rob, I'm gonna start with you on this one. Like, where do you see Brian Branch playing in the league? Like, where would he play? Is he gonna be a nickel guy? Is he gonna be a safety, or is it too soon to tell where he would translate to? Well, I, I think that he's so versatile. I mean, that's that's the thing. He can play anywhere. I mean, he played in the in the quote unquote star position uh, with with Alabama, and that, that was his typical position there. 
Um, the one thing that I can say about that, and and I have a concern, and I'm not as high that you know when I see him as a potential draft pick of the Packers at 15, I don't know. I'm I'm not seeing it. Uh, I think that he's a very he's a very sure tackler, like you had mentioned. He doesn't miss tackles. I believe it's, uh, in 2021 he had like one missed tackle the whole season, so he's excellent there. But it's just something about, and this is this is going to sound like it's a compliment but it's really honestly a, a criticism is that a lot of these times, these guys, these D backs that come out of Alabama and I'm not a helmet scout, but it seems like they're so well coached that they don't improve once they get to the NFL and they kind of level off and they kind of like plateau. Uh, you can, you see it like haha Clinton Dix classic example. Xavier McKinley was, wasn't that, that great. Eddie Jackson, these guys, some of these guys from Alabama, they come in and with all this ballyhoo that they're these like stud players. But I guess the one exception is Minka Fitzpatrick. But I think physically he was a lot better than those other guys. But there's just something about these guys that are so well coached and so technically sound that you just wonder where they're going to go from here or are they at their peak right now. So that's kind of the feel that I get for Branch. Um, he doesn't have really any outstanding physical qualities. You look at his athletic scoring, and it's it's average at best. His forty times average. I mean, he's he's pretty much average across the board. He's not terrible, but it's it's not. He definitely falls beneath any of the thresholds that Brian Gutekunst has had as far as athletic profile goes. So, you know, when I see him mocked to the Green Bay at fifteen, I, I just don't see it. And I've also been on record as saying, you know, we've thrown a lot of picks in that defensive backfield, first round picks. It's time for these guys to step up. It's time for these guys to start making plays, and it's time for these guys to start earning their, you know, paycheck and, and their draft status. And it so I would be disappointed if we picked a safety in round one. I'm kind of looking at it in round two and round three as the as a sweet spot there. But like you said, he's an excellent tackler. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad player. He's sure, surely a solid player. I just don't see a lot of upside with him. Crazy that it took us about 40 minutes and change to get into this episode without mentioning the fact that all these defensive players probably would be first round second round talent but not mentioning the fact that the Packers have spent so much equity on the defensive side of the ball specifically in this in the cornerback or the DB room that maybe hey maybe that's why they wouldn't go with something at this point so um I think at 15 probably the price is a little steep for him there um Daniel Jeremiah has him rated um player 31 as of the other day like I mentioned not sure if he's a better player than Forbes. I think he just overall his football IQ probably puts him a little bit higher than Forbes. Playing at Bama helps a lot. Great point from you, Rob. I think a lot of people, including myself, sometimes fall into that um, that that habit or that groove of like, hey, he's a defensive back from Bama. He's going to be really freaking solid in the league because of everyone that came before him. Sometimes not the case because, like you mentioned, they're coached up so well and they have so many other players around them that it's almost like they don't have to play you know as exceptional because they have such a great you know pass rush or other corners or dbs that they won't throw to um eli i'm, I'm interested to see on your perspective it seems like according to rob which i somewhat agree with is like branch doesn't seem like he would be a good fit at 15 it seems like you'd be almost reaching a little bit especially where the need is but i'm curious to hear your perspective on brian branch and if all of your mock drafts you've done if you've been selecting branch um for the packers um, yeah, so definitely not all of my mock drafts going with Brian Branch for the Packers. I 
it's not that I dislike the player, but I think for all the reasons you both just kind of mentioned when it comes to what is he actually going to play? What do the Packers actually need? And I try to avoid it, but I have to just say now because uh, Rob brought it up twice. But, yeah, the defensive defensive picks, any big, quote-unquote big, but anyway, free agent signing of the Goody era has all been defensive. I mean, offensively, we're talking about Sammy Watkins, okay? So it's all been on defense, all the picks, all the money, most of the extensions. Like when you're looking at it, they've let offensive pieces walk, not a ton, but way more than – important defensive players and like rob said yes they need to step up and obviously we all have to wonder is how much does joe barry have to do with all this that's a conversation for another day but it is it is a little preposterous that aaron Rodgers was the quarterback for this team for 15 plus years and they drafted one offensive skill player and that was jordan love and i mean it's just you can't do that and like still in year after year after year, what is the story? The Packers defense. So there's a lot wrong with that. There's a lot wrong with all that, that whole picture. So I had to get it off my chest because it bothers me a ton. Rob, I appreciate it. I feel like it was therapeutic for me, so thank you. But when it comes to Brian Branch, yeah, uh, again, very solid player, but just we, the Packers need a safety. He played, like you like you mentioned, uh, Matt, what is it, 1,400 out of 1,700 snaps in the slot. So, like, could they use a slot guy? Sure, but if you're going to draft a corner, I think you can make the argument for an outside guy just as much. So I just don't see it, but I do – look, I think obviously like you both mentioned, when it comes to tackling, it's impressive to see. You don't see a lot of guys going and just simply not missing and just physical with it. Like, I love to see that, and that's why I'm not trying to sit here and bash him as a player. It's just I don't know for the fit, but obviously very high football IQ coming from Bama, that's kind of uh, almost – implied but you like to see it actually be used and going and making a ton of kind of like johnson a lot of his plays at or behind the line of scrimmage which again another thing i really do like but looking at him it kind of reminds me of mike hilton um who's been in the league with the Bengals now is on the steelers like good blitzer physical guy makes a ton of plays around the line of scrimmage hilton also plays 90 percent of his uh snaps as a slot corner and that's a good effective player but is that what the Packers need more than anything right now? I don't think so. So Brian Branch, for sure at 15 for me, like, yes, I'd be like Rob said, I'd be disappointed. I don't think I would be like, this was the worst thing you've ever done. Because again, I think he's a good player. So if you got good players on your team and you, and you work around his skills and you make it work, that's awesome. But yeah, it's somehow if let's say he fell like late, late for I still don't. I don't. I don't think I would trade out for him specifically. So unless somehow he's in, in the second round, I definitely would not be able to complain. But first round, you can't do it. No, that's awesome. The last thing I have here, a note that I didn't bring up, and a, the smallest grain of merit to this that he did have one punt return um, for a touchdown. He didn't have a lot of punt returns for them. It was also against Louisiana Louisiana Monroe for a sixty-eight yard return. Again, not putting a lot of weight to that, but you know possibly could contribute on fourth downs um, where you might need him. I don't see that being an option there just based off his um, 40 time being like in the high four fives, but just another, you know, dynamic athletic piece that you could possibly add if really, really needed. But overall probably going to translate to a nickel backer, like that star position, like um, Rob had mentioned. I also like at 15, like I, when I was doing mock drafts, it was fun to take him there once in a while, but ultimately I knew I was, 
you know, paying an you know, paying a high equity for a player that is from Alabama. You're getting an Alabama safety slash cornerback. Yes, it's he's solid, but at that point, it's like it's just you're you're paying too much to get a guy that really his predecessors like a, a Micah Fitzpatrick. They just don't. It's not the same type of player, you know, at all. So I don't really know where Brian Branch is going to go um, based off of what we talked about being the safety class being so weak. He probably does see himself going in the first round. I think definitively, it's just a matter of how quote-unquote desperate a team would be to lock in a nickel backer that they might want to move him to safety but overall I think we can all 100% agree extremely good tackler wherever you would line him up which is awesome Rob any final thoughts on Brian Brantz as we wrap up yeah I mean he's a you know he's a solid player and you know he'd probably start for us right off the bat I mean if we when we don't sign uh, Adrian Amos he'd slot into that position so I guess you know from that standpoint um you know, would it be terrible? Like, he wouldn't necessarily be a developmental player. So if you're looking for guys that are going to contribute this year, um, he would probably be a, a, a nice pick. Um, but, you know, the flip side of that is that how much upside is he going to have and how much better is he going to get? And for me, I always bet on traits. I would bet on traits all the time if I could. And, you know, you look at guys that are explosive, that are athletic, that, that could – that have that upside to become star players. A, a perfect example, and actually I'll give them credit because I don't do it too often, but when like Brian Gutekunst picked uh, Rashawn Gary is a guy that wasn't necessarily that productive in college. I mean, obviously it was a different position, but he wasn't that productive, but he exploded off the screen uh, with his big playability. And, you know, that's kind of why I like Johnson the and Forbes a little bit better than Branch is because you see that ex- those explosive plays out of those guys. And, Branch is like a solid guy. He's like a like that reliable car that will you know last forever, and 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 you know it's good and it's fine, but it's not going to jump off the page. So that's kind of my thoughts on him. Um, if we can maybe trade back into the last part of the first round and grab him and plug him into that safety position, I probably would be okay with that. But I'm thinking at 15 needs to be an impact player. Eli. Final question for you, and I'll get back to Rob. Your thoughts on you know old reliable Brian Toyota Camry Branch? Uh, <laughs> would you want any of these players based off their current value for the Green Bay Packers? Um, I feel like Johnson's definitely going to be the closest for me okay. based on need and value, and then honestly, probably Forbes and Branch coming in last. And that's again not not to bash him as a player, but the value, hundred percent. Uh, same question to you, Rob. I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah, same order. Same order with me. You know, I just I feel that you know Johnson has a lot more upside, and I feel that Forbes has a lot more upside um, and explosiveness, and you know, over Brand. So same order for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think I would maybe have Forbes. I mean, just straight value. I think maybe Forbes could possibly leapfrog Antonio Johnson, um, but if he can add some, you know, if he can't add. Um, some weight and some muscle. If he comes a little bit too fragile to the league, I think that definitely you know has him fall back. I do love you know he's quick, he's super fast. The nose for the football, it's like you can't really teach that. Um, and my other thing with Johnson would be like, yeah, he does a lot of things great. He can or well, he can play a bunch of positions. But where was he to excel? I think it might take a little while for him to get there. Um, crazy that we all somewhat agree that Branch is the third. I don't want to say the best player, but just the overall value. You're not really getting there based off of what the Packers need and where that safety class is. So as we wrap up here, um, guys, we're going to be together for the next couple of weeks leading up to the draft. Obviously, Pack-A-Day podcast is a great spot to get all your draft knowledge. There's a ton of great draft knowledge out here, but specific 
players, you know, go through these three players that Andy will always set up kind of, you know, why are these players pieced together? Well, if there's a need there, possibly they all kind of mesh into the same spot. I would say Johnson and Forbes specifically kind of have different skill sets where branch also is a, um, you know, a hybrid type player that could play anywhere, but keep listening to pack a day podcasts. If you have yet to subscribe on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, please do so. Rate, review, share it with your friends. We appreciate it that way. Also, check us out on uh, Twitter, on TikTok, on YouTube. Andy's absolutely crushing over on the YouTube side with his daily um, you know, video episodes in conjunction with 365 days out of the year, the audio podcast that we put out. For myself, you can find me on Twitter. If you have any feedback on our draft coverage or anything, any Packers takes you want to get off, um, you can find me, like I said, at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. I'll kick it over to our guest first, Rob Rieger. Rob, let everyone know what you're working on during this draft season. I know you're probably putting out a lot more content than normal. And let everyone know where they can get your content 365 days out of the year, whether it be related to the NFL, Packers, and et cetera. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to stick. I'm trying to stay in my lane here and stick to the draft. It's hard sometimes, but you can find me on Twitter. That's where I do a lot of my damages at NFL Draft Regs R E G S. And um, yeah, that's 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 where I do most of my damage over there. As you should, as you should. That's tw- Twitter's the best. Love Twitter, Eli. I know you remind every listener where they can get all your information and you know content during our Saturday episodes, but I'm not sure if you got anything new going on under the draft time that you're diving into. So just remind everyone and let them know where you can get all your content. Yeah. So specifically during draft season, uh, you'll see more of my writing over at packreport.com, breaking down some of the players I think the Packers could, or at least in my opinion, should target uh, early on in the draft. And then anything else, including the writing, will make its way over to Twitter at book of Eli underscore NFL. That is where you'll find all of my ranting and ravings about everything going on with the Packers right now. So, yeah, check me out over there. Awesome. I appreciate connecting with you guys again. I'm excited to dive into our next week's players. For Rob Rieger, Eli Berkovitz, I'm Matt Freilich. You guys be well, take care, and continue to stick with us during draft season. And as always, go yeah, back home. Go. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.